<laughs> oh, guys, um, it's loading. It's loading. Holy shit, bud. How am I the one with internet problems? <laughs> <laughs> All right, is it ready? Still, no, it's still like I still got a spinny circle. No graphics, no text. And you're up slowing yet. down too. Jeff, do you know about buffering? Yeah. Remember buffering? I've heard of it. Roman's computer still oh, knows how wait. to do it. Did it start? I just heard her voice. Yeah, that, that was it. Okay, everybody on three, press play. One, two, three, go. <laughs> so, are just axing weird? Your papa blocker. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever think that you just might have worms? <laughs> it's just like the first line out of the gate with the commercial. You are acting weird. Like maybe you have a butt worm. <laughs> Thanks everybody for uh, watching that with me. You can put that in the show notes. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll be our intro. Who knows? top again i didn't like that last one uh a bunch of buddies who run a comic shop together get a whole bunch of comics every week and then meet on a zoom call to talk about them it's the only way we can do it anymore you know the people in hazmat suits show up every time three of us show up at the store and it's dreadfully inconvenient because it's like it's much like an ambulance right you're like that person's sick i need to get them to the hospital but what they're not telling you is how much money it costs to get in the ambulance i'm jeff i'm Django. i'm roman Anybody ever ride an ambulance? Gosh. No. no. Me neither. Have you? Terrified. No, oh, no, no, no. Would well, you got a concussion you, once. Didn't. Would you get in the back of an ambulance with somebody? Is that like a sex thing? No, like, <laughs> well, I don't know. I was going to use Roman for an example, so it might be. If, yeah, what's the if, context? Uh, if Justin slipped and hit his head and an ambulance showed up, would you get in the back of the ambulance and go to the hospital with him? Oh, my God. If if I was around one of my good friends and they fell and got hurt, you'd be hard pressed to find a situation where I'm not there until somebody more qualified than myself is there. All right. And by more right. qualified, you know, like Aaron, Justin's girlfriend would be that person, right? right. Like I'd hang out there until Aaron showed up and I'd be like, well, you don't need me anymore. Um, okay. I just, I wasn't sure how deep your fear of being in the back of an ambulance went. Can I ask you? Oh, it's not a fear. It's just, they're expensive. Right. <laughs> and I'm not trying to spend that money. Can I ask you a question though? Yeah. You ever been in a choppa? Not while it flew. Okay. But you've been on a dry choppa is what they call yeah. that then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You've I went down to an choppa. aeronautics museum with, with uh, Ron and gotten a handful of them. Gotten a handful of dry choppas. Roman, you ever been in a choppa? Yeah, but same answer. Not, not one that was chopping or leaving the ground. Okay. Okay. Man, where are you guys finding all these choppas? <laughs> in the chopper graveyard holy shit you're right this podcast is a graveyard so let's talk about the books that we're <laughs> going to be talking about this week and spoiling which roman always very positively remembers to say when we're like halfway through a podcast because i have not said it and there's a book that's going to get spoiled so spoilers in here you hey, kids are spoiling spoilers up yeah yeah um bang on the ceiling um <laughs> haven't even made an order yet so we're gonna talk about batman number 101 then we're going to talk about Scumbag, number one. 
then everyone, you know it. Roman's here. It's Jugnut time. Jugnut number two. <laughs> jugnut, Jugnut, Jugnut. Jugnut. Uh, we're also going to talk about Dune, House <laughs> Atreides, number one. We're going to talk hmm. about the X-Men books for, oh. for Django. Those are uh, X-Men number 13. Whoa, I could have sworn that was 14, but nope. Uh, Excalibur number... Holy shit, 13. Sorry, bad at our jobs, <laughs> my job. Um, we're also going to talk about Fantastic Four number 25. We're going to talk about Daredevil number 23. And we're going to talk about those tasty, those nasty, dirty little uh, November hardcovers. Speaking of, never mind. I was going to try to get us back to the graveyard. but Oh, man. Uh, oh, man. I don't think we're going to need your help today to get to the graveyard. <laughs> Jeff's just barreling towards it with every step. I feel a little bit like throwing up. Well, you know, it's because it's Halloween coming, so we got to go to the graveyard. I thought it was because COVID and it's ruining everything. Oh, well, <laughs> that too. And the weird thing is I felt bad today too, and I couldn't figure it out if it was like, like mask reflux or what the heck was going on. Mask, mask reflux. reflux. That's, uh, yeah, you know, when you're wearing your mask all day and you, you like kind of do mild burps all day long and they just kind of build up and, and it and ends up like making you feel worse. I'm just excited to yeah. be. I'm just really excited <laughs> to sit here and talk to you guys about Batman number 101. Oh, by Roman, Jimmy T.I.V.? Of course not. <laughs> but you did, Django? I did. <laughs> okay, I Roman, yeah. I told you to. Did you? Yeah, I remember I said the first four pages were oh, good wait, and you did I, read those. I, I did read the first four pages, yes. Nice. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, sorry, Django, you were doing some good uh, credits right there. and I. Oh, uh, yeah, James Tinian IV. Tinian? Tinian. Jimmy T.I.V. Uh, G. Guillaume March and Timo Mori on colors. This is the first issue after the Joker War. And I was stunned that after four pages of this comic book, I was like, I'm liking this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I liked it even beyond that enough to finish it. I read it. I finished the whole thing. I didn't, I, I think it's the best issue of this, of the series we've gotten since the first like four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there were two issues I liked of the series. Um, and this one is way up there. Um, so the main crux of this issue is sort of centered around at the fallout of the Joker war means that Joker had taken all of Bruce's money, somehow Catwoman got it, and then gave all of it to Lucius Fox. And so Lucius Fox is having this conversation with Bruce Batman about like, well, what are we going to do with this money? Like, you can't have it. The government is watching this money. They're going to know that you need, like, if it's going to Batman, they're going to know it's going to Batman. All -hmm. of this is going to be watched now. So it's introducing this new sort of like lo-fi Batman arc. And I think that makes sense because this future state stuff all has a lot of straps. <laughs> a lot of straps in it. A lot of lo-fi shit, right? I, can't, I don't have armor. I got straps. I don't have enough money to get plastic surgery to fix these Joker scars. I'm just going to be start up Lucius Fox from now on. Put some holes in that leather and get a metal thing. They can, you know, <laughs> hook it. Um, speaking of hooking, Roman, you, uh, I think, would have liked this issue, but you did like the first four pages, and I really liked the first four pages as well. Um, do you remember anything about them, even though I did just have to remind you that you read this book? <laughs> um, I remember that awesome double-page shot of Batman and Robin, Damien, like, like swinging over the city. Batman's big yellow oval. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a really good just kind of encapsulation of Batman 
like that, I think that those four pages would have been a solid entry in Detective 1027 or yep. uh, Batman one or 1000 or in any of these giant sized things that they've been putting out. And it was actually the first issue I read this week. So it's back at the comic shop now. But what I remember about that is it's just sort of a, a narration by Bruce speaking to the point of how different things are now from how they used to be. You know, like it used to be that lamp would go, you know, like, I, you know, Django, can you just, Kate, Django, can you just give me that narration? Can you just give me just the narration boxes? Can you, I just want to feel yeah. it again. Yeah. Um, so Bruce is talking to Catwoman and she says, Bruce, where are you now? And he says, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to remember. Remember what? Gotham City, how it used to feel. Not at the beginning, but at the height of it when, when it was all working so well. I'd be at the manor or in the office when I'd see the bat signal over Gotham City. You could blindfold and drug me and I could always find my way to that old rooftop. And I'd know that Commissioner Jim Gordon would be waiting for me with a few acerbic lines about the city and the clues that would start my hunt for whoever was terrorizing Gotham that just yeah. just fucking that I, I i guess i hadn't thought about it but i especially like coming off the morrison run which we've reread this idea of the different eras of batman i i think that jimmy tiv's use of like the height of it and just even that language to to specify that you know bruce no longer feels like he's there and it makes so much sense because it's you know the last years of batman comics have been like dark you know and like breaking batman since the late 80s you know it's been a lot of like the the dark stuff of these characters so i i really loved the narration there taking that into account right like the height of it and just sort of how that feel you know like when you've stayed at a job longer than you should have like when i was at barnes and noble you start there and you're young and there's this big group of people and you get to meet them and you become friends with them and it's awesome but then one by one they start leaving until like you realize that you're the person that's been there longer than anybody mm -hmm. and and then you're like wait this isn't this thing anymore you're like death oh, by a thousand cuts and i'm the old guard yeah i'm the old guard and that's not what i like about you know so i, I just i thought bringing that into the conversation of batman was really awesome and mm -hmm. i um I, I really liked that i don't know why yeah. like, it really really resonated with me and it it seems like when he's talking about the height of it it's him and jim and robin mm -hmm. and it's not the huge family i guess alfred too but it's not the huge family which to me at this point i think probably it started standing out to me during tom king's run like the Batman mythos feel bloated with 30 Robins and four Batgirls. And like, just, there's just so many characters when he, when he has a family meeting, it's, it's gotta be a whole issue. So everybody can say one word balloon. Somebody uh, bring in Bendis. We've got to introduce all the family. <laughs> um, and I, I, I like, I like the idea of, of Batman kind of missing the olden days which is like, you know, it's, it's when, uh, it's when Neil Adams was doing yep. Batman. And it's, know, he's, that's, that's what he's talking about. The image is like the Neil Adams Batman, like big yellow thing on the chest. So yeah, that was just really great to me. And it was a change in tone for this book that was so drastic. It was, mm -hmm. it was pretty shocking to me. I, I am also interested in this like story of Bruce not having money you know uh, like enough money to be a person but not enough money to filter it through batman because i think that you know there is an amount of that conversation about batman that's kind of like iron man right like at some point you know it's not super interesting to just throw money and tech at a problem because right. there's no ceiling to it it can always just so like 
you know, I, I'm interested in some like detective Batman stories and they, that narration, like you just, you know, read like that, you know, and you'd be a cervic line about a clue and that clue would lead me on a, you know, a detective chase or like, yeah, fuck yeah. I like that. Yeah. At some point Lucius telling him how, how like the best thing is probably for him to retain the money and control of Wayne tech. And what that means for Batman is you won't be able to print high tech Batmobiles off an industrial printer beneath Wayne enterprises. Yeah. And I love how much of a cheat that is, you know, I, 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 yeah, I love that line as well. And then one other thing I want to add reading this issue, I couldn't help but create a little bit of narrative street in my mind where I, I'm going to choose to believe that issues 90 to 100 of Batman that became Joker war were supposed to be more like this because this narration and the things that happen fit way more in line with his first two or three issues you remember the first issue of the run like he builds like he's kind of redesigned the architecture of gotham and he like built this weird bat thing that was like jumping and like yeah it, it just those first two issues didn't have anything to do with the joker war and it just feels like feels like they were like you're not going to be on after issue 100 and they're like oh wait nope never mind you are and so they needed to put 10 issues out and um that's yeah what joker war was because this feels just like more conceptualized for whatever well, it's going to be and what I was, the, the thought that I had along those lines is that he, I think that they, the, like DC teased that somebody else was going to take over at issue 101. Yeah. And I think that they told Jimmy, write a story and we're going to, we're, we're going to, you know, do, do stuff at 101. So you have to wrap it up. And I feel like Joker War mostly ended everything pretty similar to where it started, you know, yeah. other, other than. Except for the money except for the money and some of this fallout, but it, it felt almost like the end of a Seinfeld episode where everybody still has their job and nobody lost an arm and, you know, it, it's... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I would say I get what you're saying, but Seinfeld is not the right example because, like, people do lose their jobs and do lose arms and sometimes George <laughs> accidentally kills his fiance because of the envelopes that he gets. No, and, that's true. like, you know, friends maybe, but Seinfeld... That right, shit, right, like they fine. were just doing, they were they were just doing it. I'm, I, Friends, The Simpsons. I like I like Seinfeld. I like you know. Seinfeld is all. Um, um, and, I, and so I, I wonder if we're about to see him able to stretch now. That's what I'm hoping. I hope is so it, too. We're we're gonna see him be kind of inventive with without a timeline. Because we toss a lot of shade on that Batman book, but I don't think I've ever felt like his writing was as bad as it was there, like in his mm -hmm. plotting and scripting. Like, I don't think he's a bad writer. And I think that was like a bad arc of Batman. Anybody else kind of curious? I think so Lucius Fox, he's got the son, Luke Fox, and everyone's been certain that that's who's going to become Batman. But mm -hmm. don't, don't we in get introduced to his brother, like Lucius's so other son and Luke's Timothy, brother. And that seems grumpy. That seems like who's actually going to become Batman to me. Cause Luke already was Batman, right? Yeah. He or was like, like a, he was, new 52 batwing series batwing yeah like you know okay. um so yeah i i think all those people that bought that issue of batwing for like a hundred dollars in the last like four months i think i my hope is that it's gonna be uh money not well spent because gotcha. uh good job <laughs> well lost. here's so i i did enjoy this issue more than i expected to i even kind of liked grifter in it um, oh, who, yeah, Grifter was in it and was... Yeah. I don't have any complaints about it. And if you would have told me I would say that about Grifter in a Batman comic, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, that's just Deadshot. 
Shut the um, front door. But it it like he's Lucius Fox's bodyguard, and he he seems to be going kind of off off script and and fighting Batman harder than Lucius wanted him to. But I, I I thought it was a pretty good interaction. The thing that kind of bugged me was that so Bruce just had this crazy horrible thing happen with the Joker War. His response is to handicap himself by getting by not having the money or the resources like oh it sucked to have everything taken away so i'm just gonna try to do this even a harder way you know restriction oftentimes is the thing required to spur ingenuity creativity yeah i guess it just seems out of character for bruce yeah you know like that that's never been his response and It didn't seem like a, you know, Bane broke his back and his response wasn't to simplify. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Jimmy T.A.V. Um, stripping I mean, things down after the Tom King level run. Yeah, well, right, exactly yeah. right. But like putting restrictions on the writing <clears throat> as well as oh, putting yeah. restrictions on Bruce. Yeah. Um, it, anyway, Roman, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the whole issue if you read it at some point. I do think that if you have gone, you know, 14 or so issues without reading Batman, and you do kind of miss it, I think that this is a good spot to check in and just check the pulse, see what the water's like. I don't like getting in yeah, cold water. Maybe maybe I should. I don't know. Since we're rereading Morrison's Batman, I, I kind of don't want anything to interfere with that. Yeah, it's hard to read any <laughs> other his, Batman when you're reading that. Yeah, yeah, because his Batman is so good. I'm just like, oh, this is Batman. Um, what is your score on that one, Gung? I'll give it a seven and a half. I think I'd go seven and a half as well. That sounds right yeah. to me. Yeah, I'd like uh, to give it better. I would always like to give Batman more. I know. That's the thing. That's the, re- the reason that we will talk about every issue of a Batman run that we're not liking. It's just because, like, <laughs> at some point, he's my favorite character to be reading. And uh, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of people just not reading things that they're not enjoying. Batman yeah. is the one one that I have a hard time not reading because it's like, well, he is Batman. But listen, when the straps show up, it's yeah. fucking on. Yeah, man. Straps on. Um, Extra half a point for every character that's for every strap straps. on. Oh, um, extra half a point for every strap on in the book. The it's hard to not talk about Batman. We hey, listen, we're still wrapping our minds around this new shipping schedule. But we got DC's next week books yesterday, so we read mm-hmm. Batman Three Jokers. Uh, it's good. Thumbs up. Cannot wait to talk about that. Instead, I'm going to talk about Scumbag Number One by Rick Remender. And who the hell are you? Am I right? Louis Larosa yeah 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 it's great the um, the art's really unique and the book is unique as well it's rick remender deadly class seven to eternity low uncanny x-force um a writer i like a lot even though i haven't finished a ton of their books outside of their marvel work I, I, I can't imagine a world where Django didn't love this book. <laughs> is it the poop or the, the drugs? Poop, is it the butt, bark? The drugs, the, the hookers, the, the, dad, like the, the shallow the superhero, line. the daddy, the daddy line. line. <laughs> like everything about it is, and it even looks a fair amount like him on the cover. Yeah, it's like if I had a, a Lemmy facial hair. Yeah, like that, which is yeah. not far away from what you've got, Django. Starts off with one of my one of my favorite Charles Bukowski quotes that I'd actually forgotten about. I uh, fucking hate Charles Bukowski. But I yeah, actually Charles too, Bukowski but I, but also quote. did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this follows uh the shittiest of the shitty people 
um, looking for looking for a score, trying to get drugs. Um, he eventually steals a, like an orphan fund or something and buys buys some heroin and and tries to shoot it up on the street while he's shitting his pants in front of kids around Christmas time. And oh, I uh, didn't realize it was around Christmas time. Yeah, I mean it. It looks it's it's winter time. Fuck looks Christmassy yes. to me. I love Christmas. Um, and and he loses the loses his syringe. Grinch. It rolls into an alley, and he goes in there to find it, and comes across uh, like a superhero versus supervillain battle. He shoots up the wrong syringe, and it turns out that now he's got these nanites in his blood and can see headquarters, and they kind of have to rely on this total scumbag to to save the world. They've only got a couple hours, I think. Does it sound incredibly innovative? No. When the syringe rolled down the alley, did you think, oh no, those people also have a syringe and they're going to get swapped somehow? And <laughs> Yeah. Did it immediately make you think, is that kind of low-hanging narrative fruit? Yes, but then you realize that the story isn't about an innovative story. It's about watching a despicable person um, mm-hmm. in a situation. It's, have and, you watched Shameless? No. It this is William H. Macy's character in Shameless taken to the even more extreme. Okay. I and and if what I sound what I said just now sounded like a criticism, it wasn't. It was just like on <laughs> you know, part of my brain and how I read comics and take in story is that the thing that I want the most and I look for first is a story being told that feels like a story I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. I want something to be done with a narrative mm-hmm. that surprises me. Um, so that's what I was looking for in this and it's not happening in this, but I also love spending time with a character that you like spending time with. And that's yeah. what this is about. It's not about an innovative plot. It's about, uh, can I make this character likable? I think. And, and Reminder, you know, is a recovering addict and it was a hardcore like punker. He was in the punk scene forever. Um, he is a really cool dude. And, you know, I, I think, part of him being sober for years now i feel like there's a part of this character in this that is sort of his projection of himself at rock bottom because at some point in this it says like everyone hits rock bottom and you know like anyway it feels close to his home heart rather. yeah yeah and i i i don't know there's there's an amount of okay okay rick we get it this guy's gross and he's awful and there's a lot of i don't know it, it there's not a lot of nuance to that part of it right um but when or it finally gets, yeah, when it finally gets to the the shot of him shooting up and it just zooms out slowly to show you that he's also shitting a fountain on the sidewalk in front of a bunch of people. Like, that's when I was like, okay, that's pretty good. I'm not, I'm not going to be too mad at this. Ruben, what and, did you and, think? We've only and, talked. Yeah. And during, and during that scene, he's singing sailing like Christopher yeah. Cross. I mean, yeah. it's, it's great. <laughs> so you liked it, Roman? <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It, it was the art was great, made me laugh a lot, and yeah, it's nothing innovative. But um, I wasn't expecting the thing about this secret organization, superior organization, whatever, trying to save the world. Um, I liked—I don't know her name, but I like that the woman that shows up and is trying to communicate with him, and he's just trying to get with her the whole time. I I had kind of a hard time with the costume design of the. The woman he takes over for um 
or no, the the bad guy costume design. It just seemed a little bit gratuitous. Which, oh, it's it's again, like again is the point. But I know at one point I was like, I think mm. I just saw a butthole. Like yeah. <laughs> there's that one spot where she like is kicking, mm-hmm. and it like I think if you look closely, that's a butthole. Like yeah. there's just it's not that's not drawn in a way that's anything other than a butthole. I don't think. I think yeah. that, that kick exposed a butthole. And that you know, sure. But I'm pro ho, you know. Yeah, so, no, nothing wrong with that in a book called Scumbag. Yeah, I'm not, it made it so I can't give this book to my mom. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> she's not in. She's not. In, okay, I'm not gonna. <laughs> um, uh, so I think we did say there's nothing innovative about it, but I think the art is actually really innovative. So I was trying to think about like what it looks like, and the the people that I, it sounds like it look like who I think it looks like a bit of Simone Bianchi, like Sharky mm-hmm. the Bounty Hunter from mm-hmm. mark miller like a year ago and the art really reminded me of that and mixed with freddie williams the second who does the art in those batman teenage ninja turtle books yeah it's yep. very similar to that yep. and i i was like i think this is gorgeous <clears throat> but they also do this stylistic thing where like a lot of the characters have really strong borders on all of the lines like if you look at the people yeah. in here there's really thick borders like white line around everybody right. in a way that like it's just an artistic flourish but there's a lot and then also a little bit of Libra Mayho just like a weird collection of artists who like I didn't necessarily see the connection between until I'm looking at this but it's a really interesting art style like it you're like is this photoshop filters or what is this yeah it's the the Bermejo thing is right on point it's not like Bermejo I think is mostly photos that he's converted to a photoshop file and, and tweaked a little bit um but these these ones seem a lot more organic he's doing eniac with bad idea this and artist matt, is matt kent yeah he's, he's awesome the that's the one that sounded like the most interesting story when they pitched him yeah and he's done some bloodshot um like some some books for valiant but um yeah i i thought i thought the art was pretty solid yeah 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 i don't know roman what do you think of the art yeah Oh, I liked it a lot, but yeah, it's not, <clears throat> I, I wouldn't want to see this art on, you know, Batman or Superman. It's, there's something about it, even though it's not, I don't think it says what year it is, but it's very late seventies or maybe early eighties, very, mm-hmm. very period looking art. He'd be great doing Lobo. Yep. Yeah. But uh, I would give that one, oh, someone sell me on it. Someone make me think that their score is right. Seven and a half. It's the only score to give it. I think that it's a seven and a half. Yeah. Roman? Seven, seven for Roman. Sounds good to me. Okay. Yeah. All right. What if that's our new thing? What if there's not three separate scores? What if we try to pick Try to a come score? to an agreement? Yeah. That's well, going to be really bad sometimes. And we're going to spend most of the podcast just trying to, you know. Well, no, we can't do that because Roman's gooey duck. Yeah. His gooey sludger. We can't compromise the safety <sighs> of that. I wish you hadn't said that. Yeah, me too. Um, I think the next one is <laughs> Juggernauts. Juggernaut, Roman, take it away. We're all here for you, my little Juggernaut daddy. You know, I don't know why you're pronouncing it that way, Jeff. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, number two. Um, Say it. Number two, Juggernaut. <laughs> I love I didn't know what I was going to get out of it, and I'm still surprised. <laughs> you know what? I... What the hell is this opening page <laughs> that has the Oh summation? my god. It's like Didn't a I weird send that poem? It's yeah. so bad. <laughs> yeah, I was like is this supposed to be funny? What's going on here? Uh 
just like high school high school level recap right yeah but like it's like a poorly written haiku yeah yeah because <laughs> it's pretty standard at first a mystic gem an irresistible force nothing can stop the juggernaut except an immovable object and then it goes off the rails with green with envy green light means go for it why on god's green earth did you do this Kane Marco is trying to make up for the things he has torn down. It's not going so well. So then it goes back to normal. It's like the middle stanza it's, there. It's just, what the hell? It is some sophomoric shit, if I'm going to be honest. But yeah. then you get to the next yeah. page, and it's this gorgeous Ron Garney double-page spread of Jugnot punching the shit out of the Hulk, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Jugnot versus Jugnot. I'm trying to refresh my memory now because I think this is the first thing I might have read this week. It was nice uh, to see uh, Charles Xavier talking to Kane Marco. I like that little bit because it's his brother. And like he, you know, telepathically projects to him and he says like, you know, the, the nurse can't see Xavier in there and he's talking to Xavier. The guy thinks he's nuts. And um, I, fr- I totally forgot that Professor X and Jugnot are like half brothers or something. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I just does... like that line of like, I appreciate you checking in on me, you know, to see if I will join your country. And he's like, you do realize it's for mutants only, right? So I don't, <laughs> I only know that they're brothers because of Ed Piscor's X-Men Grand Design. And this issue taught me that, you know, Jugnot is not a mutant, probably. I mean, the Sidorak Force is a different thing. So, um, yeah, but, you know, it mis- teaches you stuff. But I thought that was, I, I, I like that interchange. Yeah, it's a mystical thing. And I, I forget. I mean, he's fighting Hulk because uh, the girl convinces him that'd be a good idea and it would, get a, it would up his reputation through her Twitter feed or Instagram feed, whatever it is. Um, so he fights him. And then the, the meat of the issue is that uh, they're at some church or community function talking about, and the Hulk is captive there and talking about how the Hulk is such a menace and they list all these things and it's making making poor Juggy feel bad because he's standing there on stage thinking, geez, I've caused that same type of thing to happen and I've done that also. And so he just ends up feeling a really sad Juggnaut. My favorite parts of both these issues so far has been the scenes of like when he lost his powers and then trying to get it back. So in this one, it, he like goes into a building, an ancient building, and he finds some hieroglyphs of the Sidorak thing. And that is interesting to me. I want to read more of that story. The, the Juggnaut stuff outside of that is less interesting to me. But now I've just got to unpack, like, what is it, Roman? What is it about Jugnot? Like, you've got a thing. What, do you, what part of you identifies with him? Do you feel like you only ruin things? Do you feel like you, you, know, like you are a bull in a china shop? Like, where does your sympathy for Jugnot come from? Nothing that deep. I just think he has a really awesome costume. <laughs> yeah, but you just were talking about how you were feeling sad for old Juggy. Oh, well, and, sure. And, yeah, in, in this series, because, I mean, that's something I'm not used to. I didn't read the run of X-Men where he was a member of the X-Men. So this is the first time I've seen him like have regular human emotions and, and have a vulnerable side. Um, and maybe that happened in X-Men, I assume, but I didn't read that. And that seems to me to be what you like about Hulk also. Oh, sure. Right. Is like a, like a vulnerable dude who can Hulk out. That's yeah. my point. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I, uh, but that's the appeal of those type of characters, isn't it? The, um, the, the rage machine that's just wants to be loved. Not to me. 
Uh, and yeah. when you were originally talking about it, I was sort of like trying to, it was like, you know, that reconciling with that fact that there's a part of you that you don't want that. Mm-hmm. Hey, it seems like a huge oversight to me that Juggernaut was in Deadpool 2 and he was in like a yellow outfit with a helmet. Like at least the helmet was cool in the right shape, but I got, I just like, I love that costume so much. Yeah. That, yeah. The helmet was okay. The rest awful. And I don't think Juggernaut in the comics has ever had a power cable put in his butthole. Oh, did that happen in Deadpool 2? <laughs> yeah. It's like one of the best costumes. I can't, there's something very primal about my love for Jugnaut. <laughs> there is. I mean, this was a Jack Kirby design costume. Oh, that, you're right. Yep. yep. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, it reminds me of the Hulkbuster armor, which I also love. Well, it's the that, movies. It's head straight to shoulders yeah. is the thing that, that gets Jeff off. I never thought about that before, it, but it totally is. But no, it totally <laughs> does, man. Like, if you don't have a neck, I'm going to get off, right? <laughs> like, I'm going to get off oh look at that look at that necklace bastard sorry i'm just looking at pictures of hulkbuster armor right now i gotta (laughs) stop that i'm gonna strap on and get off (laughs) (laughs) what do you give it roman i'll give i'll give it a seven all right not not a not a not a huge score but you know it was a perfectly serviceable issue and a cool cover we should make a podcast called that yeah, be Perfect, our, our, perfectly serviceable comics with cool covers our next our next spin-off podcast um and i'll give it a 5.5 roman or Django, did you read it no i i think we didn't have enough and i skipped number was that number oh. two yeah yeah this is number two. yeah i think i you think don't we have, ran out. you don't have big enough juggernauts that's right that's right <laughs> after the after the podcast i'll run this over to your house yeah pick okay up three jokers grab a three jokers give me juggernaut one of us will read a comic that we got Okay, Django, I got to tell you about Ten of Swords, chapters nine and ten. Woo-hoo! Is it ten? This is my favorite part. It's not X of Swords? It's <laughs> X of Swords if you want it to be, Django. Okay, um, okay starts with Excalibur. Um, that issue sucked. <laughs> um, and then X-Men itself was pretty pretty good for this series. I'm... Mm, ah, ah, mm. I don't think this is very good. Uh-oh. I don't think I like Ten of Swords that much. Uh-oh. I don't think I'm a huge fan, guys. Well, you can't stop because you're my only Okay. Line. So in Excalibur, we're, we spend the whole time in Otherworld with the the Britain Corps. That is pretty... Me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, Captain the Britain, Britain Corps. Captain Britain Corps is interesting because it at least did that thing that I brought up earlier on where I was like, why the fuck are they Captain Britain? Like, what is that? And then it, it there's a full page text write-up that is pretty rad talking about the Alan Moore Captain Britain story and why mm-hmm. that Britain is significant and the, the role of ever or other world. It made me want to read the Alan Moore uh, Captain Britain stuff. Uh, nice. But the issue itself, I did not like. It's it's Captain Britain characters in other world. There's like Brian Braddock and Jamie Braddock and Saturnine is there and all of a bunch of X-Men got turned into Captain Britain people a couple issues ago in Excalibur. And this is all really in my mind, it was just gonna be about uh Captain Britain, you know, who used to be Psylocke, uh, getting her sword to show up at the old circle of swords. But it also then threw a trick with Saturnine and Jamie Braddock or Brian Braddock. It was a trick. And uh, Psylocke and Jamie or Brian both end up with swords. So thank God we at least got two swords out of this issue. And I don't have to get 
another. So in the end of this issue, we are at seven of ten swords. But are they both Captain Britons? Yeah, no. there's a ton. Well, sorry, you're right. Oh, not. sorry. But there's a fuckload just... of Captain Britons right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. And Brian, who was our original Earth Captain Britain, has now become Captain Avalon. Right. Oh. Which, but, you know, that's just another name for Britain. But <laughs> It is. Mm-hmm. And the or explanation actually, no. for the different Captain Britons was interesting here because, like, apparently yeah. the shore, like, the 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 rim of other world meets earth on the shores of great britain so that's why there's a captain britain and in all of these 10 realities other world touches in that same spot so like there's that world equivalent of what hmm. britain is so it's less like hail the monarchy and more like uh you know a, a, a different thing so i like that but i i i really didn't like this issue roman what'd you think of this one uh i wasn't thrilled with it i mean i had a little bit more of a familiarity i guess with some of these characters and everything because i read all of the original run of excalibur and a bunch of the alan moore stuff he's so, as old as avalon you got to remember that right right <laughs> i drew the sword from the stone originally um <laughs> and yeah I, I was curious what had happened to betsy braddock since she quit being psylocke so this answered that for me yeah i've been reading you know every other ish issue of excalibur throughout all of it and you know it's there it's not super interesting yeah, and, th- and this is the first issue of Excalibur I've read since, like, issue probably two. If you can believe it, it's one of the better ones. <laughs> wow. Um, the next issue was X-Men 13, Hickman and Muhammad Osrar. Uh, this one, better than Excalibur for me. I could see it not being for other people. Pretty rushed art job for Muhammad Osrar, who I actually am a pretty big fan of their art. Chapter 10 of 22. What story are you trying to tell me? Tell me that story. Like... I want to know about Arako and Ameth and like the Apocalypse family and the severing of those nations that happened and what happened with them over there. That's an interesting story. I hate that to get to that story. I'm having to read through a ton of issues of people going and gathering their sword, which was like from the get go, the thing I was like, I don't want that. And I'm getting it and still reading it. And guess what? I don't want it. Maybe um, it's so that you don't have to read them all to well, enjoy it i think i think if they were to try and make it make people feel like you don't have to read them all to enjoy it they would have not done it this way in fact like <laughs> the, the editor even said that like no we're kind of like you do kind of need to read it all to know what's going on and okay. i don't think that you super do because like i could be just as fine like there are full pages just like with a text written description of the origin of swords there's like seven <sighs> of them and so far you know what? I bet there'll be 10. Um, <laughs> I just had an idea. I bet. You don't think there's going to be an 11th sword that changes the battle? Oh, they're in the 11th hour. Good one. Yeah. Django. You're right. Um, some stuff was cool in this, but like, like you just keep getting these full page things of like sword info. And like, again, it goes back to that thing about like D and D manuals, what you had said early on. And I do like the stories of D and D manuals, but when mm-hmm. it's like, here's the, there's some stuff in this that like, I just, I, th- I, th- I can feel like they were trying to tell this story and to make it an event and I'll, to make it 22 chapters, there's just a lot of fat and a whole framing device for it that I just, I don't think it needs. Um, but in this one, yeah, we are kind of told that origin of the island separating again. There's a great scene where some people pull out a box and it's talking and it like, they open the box and it kind of like unchunks open or whatever. And it's got this like talking gold mask in it. And mm. then the gold mask gets put on somebody and it just like destroys who they are and takes over their body and oh, stuff. God, that's pretty like, cool. It's the hyper adapter. 
Oh my God. Oh wait, oh wait, no, sorry. That's a different thing. (laughs) So, you know, at the end of that issue, we've got Apocalypse with his sword. So we're at eight in the circle. So we've got two more swords left, I guess, until we actually get to fucking start this story that has taken (laughs) half of the story to get to. Is it going to be, uh, is it going to be nine issues of battle? I hope not. It totally is. After this issue is the next one shot, which is sort of a Ten of Swords stasis. The first one was creation, and this then you know ten issues, and then stasis is our next one. I don't know what that means, but I do feel like we're about to you know like we will have completed this half of the story, and then we'll be getting the other half, which I hope will be much more interesting. Because frankly, this has been nine issues of prepping for a tournament, and I, mean- I know that some people are liking that. So it's all the power to him. But yeah, again, my proclivities towards like innovative narratives. Uh, this is not that. You're going to be w- at V of Swords any minute. Yeah. <laughs> I would love it if the stasis issue is this is all it's, this is all just a big amusing joke for Hickman and the stasis issue is just 22 pages of the camera like spinning in a circle around all of them standing in the circle with their swords, Ooh. nobody moving in stasis. What if everybody on their on their pylons with their swords at the beginning of of the battle just gets cut down and it's it, you're you're down to like Wolverine and his sword claws. I love it. Yeah, I love it. That would be a waste of my time. Um, <laughs> I give Excalibur nine a f- five, and I give X Men number thirteen a seven. Um, and I'll keep reading it. And I just want it to be something different than it is. And I still think that if Hickman were writing it alone, it would be much different and way better. Mm. Yeah. It seems like an excuse to allow more writers to be a part of it. And yeah. it's just like giving them all a snack at, you know, like, no, you're here's have a juice box. You're really doing great over there and shortstop or far left field. You know, you're a very important part of the team. Have a juice box. You get the ring at the end. Yeah. Roman, will you unpack it, all of your baggage about it? You know, I agree with your scores. I, I'll do the same. Um, yes. It's funny. This is also R.B. Silva on this issue, isn't it? Yeah. The artist, on Excalibur, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, on Excalibur, which I didn't like as much as his art on... Oh, we haven't got there yet. Never mind. <laughs> FF. But we're um, about to. Great segue. Yeah. Um, what is interesting for me is this, this X-10 of swords, 10X of swords, it is making these 90s villains, Apocalypse and Mr. Sinister, interesting to me for the first time. Um, but you did mention R.B. Silva's art in Fantastic Four, number 25 by Dan Slott, R.B. Silva. This is a book, the podcast, I Fanboy, that we like a lot, made this their pick of the week. Is, is it, it, it actually is the pick? I think so. Wow. Cool. Well, the, well, the art is beautiful. It is. Did you read it, Django? No, I did not. Okay. I'm... I don't think I've read it since they were in Latveria. Right. With the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we were recording downstairs. I believe you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a while. Wow. Our recording studio has moved from, from upstairs in the game room to down in the basement to now in our individual houses. It's, it's <laughs> in the office. Te- and In the office. Yeah. It's technologically just evolving by leaps and bounds. Yeah. Next year from the moon. Ooh, Jenga's been trying to get a field trip to the moon for a while. Tell me about this issue. Yeah, Roman, what happened in this issue? What Number XXV. I, I haven't been reading this book because I don't really like Dan Slott, frankly. And, um, <laughs> but I do give him a lot of chances. So I was like, this is a jumping on point. Apparently big stuff's happening. I'll read it. 
Yeah, jumping on point. Um, well, they're all home after the Kotati War, whatever empire that was called. Um, ben and Alicia have a family now because they adopted a scroll kid and a Cree and a Cree kid. Um, the season starts. What could off go in, wrong? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> almost exactly what Ben said. Uh, this issue starts off with the introduction of a new alien menace that crashes into the Baxter building and almost kills the substitute Fantastic Four that we all forgot about from the beginning of Dan Slott's run. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I'm not even sure who these characters are. One of them looks like Flatman from the Great Lakes Avengers, but I don't think it is. It's not. It's that four, that, that four group that has been living in the Baxter building because they all decided to loot, move in with Ben on Yancey Street. So this group has just been staying in the Baxter building since the beginning of his run. Yeah, so you're, for not reading this, you're, I've read every issue and I completely forgot about them. Well, I <laughs> haven't read 18 issues in the middle. So <laughs> I, I, it's, I've read this issue and then the first like eight and they were in the first eight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, that happens. And then we, Sue meets with Nick Fury cause she's still doing like secret agent stuff on the side for, for Fury. Like she was in her uh, limited Solo series. Yeah. 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 Which the rest of the family doesn't know about. Um, we see the kids with Reed doing his typical Reed stuff, you know, not paying attention to his family. Um, which has getting kind of old after Hickman's run. I thought, you know, that was cool then he's like you know they him and sue have talked about so many times he doesn't do that anymore he should have grown past that but nope and he grew through it in that run like that's what that run yeah. was sort of about was like value <laughs> learning to value family so it's like yeah. trying to write damien after grant morrison it's like trying to write anything with dan slot <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm not sure there's uh oh man Doom the end the end thing is cool. Uh, it, this is a, like a 40 something page issue. So it's huge. But the last like six or seven pages are an epilogue where Uatu, the watcher show is back up and mm -hmm. he's talking to Nick Fury on the moon, the unseen. Does he like kind of unbond uh, Nick Fury from being that guy? Anyway, Nick mm -hmm. Fury has to go be Nick Fury again now. So we're going to have uh, Nick Fury senior and junior. Yeah, David Hasselhoff and um, Samuel L. Uh, Jackson. Samuel yeah, Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, which that'll that'll be cool. I mean, yeah, there's some cool things that happen in this issue, and I normally like Dan Slott, but there was just some dialogue here and there that I thought more than once. I thought, come on, Dan, you're a better writer than this. What do you like have? Bendis pinch hitting for you? Yeah, yeah. Like at the end of this, after you ought to like releases. Nick from being Nick Fury Sr. from being the unseen. He tells, uh, you know, we'll need, we'll need soldiers for this coming cosmic war or whatever. Will you serve? And Nick's response is a big wahoo, which is like, you know, after everything he's been through, I don't think he'd just be like, oh, gung-ho, oh, cool. I guess I'm going back to being a normal human now. <laughs> he'd be more like, what the hell? There was just some, some dialogue. I thought, you know, that's way too easy and lazy. And I just, I don't... I don't know if it was his decision or did they decide it needed to happen that like the, the fantastic four kids need to be aged up, but like everything around that storytelling device is it's like a, it's like a cancerous node. Like it's just, wasn't that Hickman? No. Cause they aged up after secret, after wars. secret wars when they went off to build galaxies. Yeah. But he didn't age I thought them that up. They just left earth. And yeah. as a little kid, 
and right. he was out doing that and then time passed okay. different for them out there okay um yeah. and i just like it it took the heart of what i love about the fantastic four and kind of undid it all it's it's i like the fantastic four a lot i give this one a five and a half Ooh, who drew it rb silva great great RB. art yeah. the, well, well, sorry well, Roman, please. there's three different artists because there's three oh, right. separate stories separate interrelated stories rb silva does the first story okay and there's and, a page Django that's just uh reed and valeria in reed's lab and if nothing else you should check out that page because it's just it's just a gorgeous page the colors nice. and the lines and everything it's very nice yeah i'll also give it a five no you're supposed to like it i just rained on your oh, parade oh, you're supposed dang. to like it you're the guy who loves fantastic four and dan slot and i just sort of on the side say disparaging things about dan slot and watch you I, not argue but, with me but <laughs> i do but he's disappointing me you know more and more now the last I'm 10 years i'm wondering what's happening to him well he wrote my favorite one of sam silver surfer <laughs> that's true she, she hulk shows up in this in a fantastic yeah, four right. costume and that's always awesome the um, silver surfer runs good green Hul- yeah. green hulk lady yeah yeah i'll give i'll give it a five no wait you, that's, that's you less than i gave it i think <laughs> <laughs> i'll give it a six i'll give it a six i'll give it a six six point four you know what? I'll make it easy on you. I'll give it a fantastic four. Oh, <laughs> God. Um, like Django, it. have I skipped any book, like any of the books that you want to talk about that I don't have here? Just, I don't think so. Um, talk to me about Dune, House of Atreides. So I, I read Dune. I and you read the book of Dune. Dune. Yeah, I read the, I read the novel. Um, the first one. I didn't read the other, what is it, like six more, I think. There's uh, a lot of them. His son wrote them after he died. There's a lot of them, and, and the setting is cool. The things that happen are cool. It's got a it's got a full world built, but it's pretty dry for me. Like I didn't. That's because it's a it. desert planet. Oh, you son of a bitch! <laughs> I knew that was going to happen when I said it. Better than the pun that I've got, because I'm covered in spilled whiskey and I'm not dry. Oh, you smell good though. Not too much, but I I've lost some melted ice and whiskey. Sorry. You think a, um, do you think Arach- Arrakis is related to Arako? I think it's pronounced Iran. <laughs> <laughs> That's Iran. I run to you. Um, I read this comic. Okay, Django, <laughs> let me grill you. I got to okay, grill you about it. It's I let, a lot I, of politics, man. Can I get into the fire with you? Yeah, jump in here. Okay, well, I'm not going to jump in here because that is a magma pool. And you, are, you, have, you have stone <laughs> skin who is it, you're able to sort of morph around in it. I, however, just have little you know plastic flesh boy skin and uh and what i i need i can't get into the fire with you but i want to dip my toes so i've never read any of the dune i've never seen the movies do you think that you can understand anything about dune from this issue of a comic or this even maybe from what the series would be does it require a history or a relationship with it not that it would require it but I don't think that it requires it. I think I think you could just read this and pick up what you have to pick up with context clues. I think it doesn't hurt that uh, everybody knows that there's big sandworms, mm-hmm. and it helps to read the thing in the very beginning that just says spice is a super valuable thing. Um, but if if you know those two things, I think that you get enough out of it. And I don't know if that's a good thing because there is a lot of plot and a lot of intrigue that's set up in this issue through people showing up to talk to the emperor or like the, like the leader 
and they're talking to him on his throne. So you're getting a lot of pretty heavy What's his dialogue. Name? Well, it was Baron Harkonnen. Baron Harkonnen, there you go. But this is, there is a Harkonnen in here. Um, but I, I'm, I'm unclear about when this takes place in the timeline. I wonder Where's if it's a prequel and not an adaptation. Do you know, Roman? I don't know. I've never read, but I, yeah, this isn't, this is, this is not an adaptation of the first Dune book. This is a side story. Yeah, because there's a preview of the Dune graphic novel, which is an adaptation of the yeah. first Dune book in the back of this issue. Wow. This book's an ad for graphic novels that are being made. Yeah, by a different company even, which is oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of, it actually kind of bothered me a little bit because there's a lot of real, just not very elegant ex- exposition in this. Mm-hmm. I think it's Harkonnen himself that is complaining as they fly their ships into the planet surface in the beginning that uh, he says something about, damn, our our dependence on spice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, things, and, and things like that. People come to visit this emperor. Oh, there it is. Emperor Elrude Nine. <laughs> you said so, it. So whoever that is, but people come to visit him and he kind of, says why they're important in context even though he called them there so he obviously knows who they are but he's still explaining who they are for the reader yeah and i i didn't mind that because i would have been completely lost and disconnected from the characters if that hadn't been presented to me in some way um it's just it's it's kind of a setting that i don't super identify with um it's like it's like a game of thrones in low tech space sort of and and yeah there's some interesting stuff in there uh and i think that if you're a dune fan you probably enjoy this a lot more than i do um and i'll probably read the next issue if it doesn't come out on a crazy busy week um but yeah i i I would like i i like more action in my kind of boring space sagas (laughs) yeah i kind of had the same conclusion um one of the things I actually really liked about this comic was not anything to do with the subject or anything. It's, it looks like a independent, an eighties independent comic from like Eclipse or something, the art style and everything. It just totally reminded me of that. So I was charmed by that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't care that much about the story. Yeah. And it's a kind of a departure from Boom's um, sort of manga style art. Like it's, it's not what they usually do, which is, I like it more for that. Um, but I don't need to see space people battle bulls. Yeah, that kind of surprised. I want to see more sandworms. Yeah. I think it's interesting. This was, it says it's written by Brian Herbert, who's Frank Herbert's son, mm-hmm. and Kevin J. Anderson. I was curious. I wonder how much of this is, how much of this is Brian Herbert and how much is Kevin Anderson. Listen, not to let our ignorance dangle out, but uh, maybe it's an adaptation of one of the subsequent books. Yeah, maybe it is. I don't know the names of the books. Because, yeah, this is Dune House Atreides. That's not your ignorance dangling out, Django. Oh, so, oh That's sorry. your penis. <laughs> oh, my God, is my penis hanging out? I call it my ignorance. Oh. Because it's bliss. Who did, who did uh, uh, what's his name, Agent Dale Cooper play in the Dune movie? He played the main dude. Yeah, but 
Who was? Yeah, that? I can't. I can't remember his name. <laughs> Skywalk. He he had that little cool like like breather Soarin'. thing. Yeah, from his nose to his to his ear or something. And he had powers. He had some kind of powers. I remember that. Sting. Quirple. Yeah, Sting was in it. Quipo. Quipo. Big, big, fat, floaty Scottish guy was in it. Yeah. That was um, Baron Harkonnen, who's not Harkonnen. big, fat, floaty in this, so this must be a prequel. And you guys yeah. are talking about Orson Welles, right? Yeah. Nope. Yep, sure. I think no, Orson was? Welles was going to play Baron Harkonnen in the Yodorowsky version that never got made. Oh, that would yeah. be perfect. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> a big old wine-drunk Orson in space. Did you guys give it scores yet? No, I give it a six and a half. Um, and I kind of wish that I kind of wish that I liked Dune more. Braden likes Dune. Yeah. I, I wonder I wonder what Braden thinks of it. I'm, yeah, I'm what, very curious. Yeah, I wonder what he would give it. Oh, yeah, you remember I your it, score? I give it a six. Okay. The, co- the J. Lee cover is beautiful. There's a guy uh, on it that looks like God, I would, it looks just like want him to draw everything. Remarkably yeah. low scores from the perfectly settled podcast this week for everything. <laughs> Well, like that's a, okay because we're about to get to Roman's gooey duck. Hey, you guys ever see that commercial that's like a uh, you know, like uh, it's about computer viruses, but it's this woman speaking through and she's like, Is your computer acting weird? Do you think it might have worms? <laughs> have you heard that commercial? No. Oh man, god damn it. I keep asking people <laughs> about this commercial and no one knows about it. Um <laughs> Do you ever wonder if you're in kind of a Truman Show situation and you're the only one they showed it to? No, buddy. I found it. We're going to pause this fucking podcast Uh-oh. while you guys watch this fucking thing. <laughs> um, Roman, what was that for you? Did you like that? I'm in love with the woman saying virus protector. I'm, yep. trying, I'm trying to... Go and do it yourself because your computer is clearly infected? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> My computers have syphilis. No, it just it just uh, overrode and replaced all the tabs I had opened with the commercial. <laughs> okay. All right. Listen, thanks everyone for watching the stop sign computer virus ad thing with me. Let's talk about Daredevil number 23, Zdarsky Chiquetto. Roman, this has got to be your gooey duck, right? I don't know. I was thinking you got me panicked because I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I have a gooey duck. This the week. gooey duck panic. It was that kind of week. Um, there was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue this week. That was good. That, yeah, it was good. Yeah, I mean, I read 25 comics. I gotta have a gooey duck somewhere. Somewhere in this. So <laughs> many comics, dude. And you 25. read an Animorphs graphic novel. That was last week. <laughs> well, Daredevil. Um, Zdarsky and Chiquetto, when these two do things together, there is a there is an alchemy and it is awesome. This is like a little bit more subdued Chiquetto, even though it's fantastic. But, did, you know, like it was just like, there's a lot of standing and talking and it was awesome. It, it wasn't, Chiquetto is great at it, but it wasn't like, it, it's not what he's most stylized at doing um so at one point i was like wait is this chiquetto gorgeous 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 art Uh, yeah i loved this art in fact and i couldn't remember i'm glad he had some recap in the beginning because kirsten mcduffie matt's old girlfriend who's a lawyer i don't remember this character is this from mark wade's run yeah which i never finished yes um think that something happened where everyone who knew that he was daredevil like forgot it yeah, and apparently. she forgot it, and that was the end of the Wade run. So, got to okay. be in that Wade run somewhere. Okay, yeah, because he says that the purple children made the world forget that he's Daredevil. That's an awesome storyline. I didn't read that part of the Wade run, or maybe it was even in the Soul stuff. Actually, I think it was the oh. Charles Soul stuff. Oh, really? I didn't read any of that. I, I, 
I could be it's wrong. It's still on. It's still on my to be to read list. Is finish Mark Waid's Daredevil, and move on. What I do love in this issue is Chiquetto draws uh, Kingpin relative to Daredevil in the way that Sinkevich does. Yeah, um, and I I love that. Like I don't you know that's the definitive Kingpin stuff to me. And when people bring that stuff back, I really like it. And and his suit is like Vanta black. Yeah, it's you know dark. like it's just there there are, there is no texture in his suit, which I always love. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of great scenes in this issue. Uh, the kingpin scene with Hammerhead. I mean, that's that's straight out of like one of De Niro's more brutal scenes. I love the Hammerhead bit. And Hammerhead's, the, the drawing of Hammerhead was a little bit different than most of the other characters. And I don't know if it was the art or the colors, but like there was, there was something extra going on with him. Yeah, there's a little like gravel, sketchy, gravelly, sketchy things. Scarry, yeah. Yeah, it, I just, you know, this book is so great. And I don't think an issue has ever come out where we've said anything other than that. And I just think that like, it speaks to, we're 23 issues in, this is a monthly book, almost two years now. Love it. Just like, it's, I think that one of the reasons I love it is that the art is great because it has a full month between issues. It always feel high caliber, but it also enough time goes by between issues and I'm able to miss it and like it. Yeah, and there's the, the dialogue is great. I mean, in this issue, there's the, the scene and they're seeking a safe in some bank where the crime lords are meeting. And since the kingpin's still mayor of New York, he chooses a new, he appoints a new kingpin. And it's uh, this woman, this crime boss, Izzy Libris, because the owl has now gone to prison and he was nuts. And just the way he, they tra- he transfers that power all the time, knowing that, you know, he's still the true power. It's just great. It's nicely done. The, yeah, the dialogue was nice, and just as a story beat, I liked that the girl that he was seeing that owned the bookstore throughout the you know bulk of this run, like she is the daughter. No, she's married to this dude who's in this yeah. crime family. So Daredevil, Daredevil has been getting close to it, but now the grandmother is the head of this crime family, and she's been appointed to be the kingpin. And all of that is, it was really elegant to get find a way to get Matt in the middle of that with those characters, and then. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's he's slowly playing this stuff out. You know, like Zdarsky has the confidence to be like, I've got a story. It's going to take 24 issues. So, you know, like if you're going to cancel me four issues in, I'm just not going to do it, right? Like it's things have been allowed to slowly build throughout all of this that like it feels organic in the way that it was supposed to happen. What if we could get Chip Zdarsky to cover Joker War? What if we could have Chip Zdarsky write Batman? I'd do it. Yeah. I'd read it. Batman then. Yeah, yeah. So the two, the, like there's two things in, in this issue that I think were surprising to me. The first one, Jeff, you sent us pictures of, which was Spider-Man admitting that he killed somebody. In that Wolverine Oh Spider-Man. my God. I forgot about that. Roman. <laughs> yeah. We were getting there. <laughs> Roman has been talking about this since I got hired at the comic shop. Like in the mm-hmm. first couple months I worked there in the original location, he made me read <laughs> the one shot Spider-Man and Wolverine where Spider-Man goes to another country with Wolverine and he like jumps over somebody, but they break their neck fighting him or talking to him. Um, I haven't read it in a few years. I think I remember thinking that, wow, Wolverine kind of just in a way tricked Spider-Man to kill on somebody. <laughs> Cause if and- I remember, if I remember right, Wolverine says something from like behind Spider-Man and Spider-Man's already pissed off at him. Spider-Man whirls around thinking he's about to punch Wolverine and I, am I getting this wrong? No, nope, nope, that's got, what it is. That is yeah. what it is. I, it's, it, I'm, I'm thinking about the Gwen Stacy stuff with the broken neck, but you're right. I think he like, 
spins around and just hits somebody, but like dead. And it's a nothing. It just seems like bad comic writing more than anything. Mm-hmm. And it was never mentioned again. And Roman was like, isn't this crazy? Like Spider-Man killed a guy and they've just never talked about it. And like, they don't, they don't even really talk about it. There. That's my Roman impersonation. <laughs> just like a really cocky kind of <laughs> overweight white guy. And you don't even really talk about it there. Oh, what um, the fuck, man? Yeah. But, but as soon as like in this, there's this great scene in here where Daredevil, I forgot that that's why this issue was so great. Cause I read this one on the first day of comics, like five days ago, but it was, that heart to heart is so great. Like Spider-Man just like, you know, I once killed a guy and I was an accident and it haunts me and I've never talked to anyone about it. And you're like, you, you're right. You never have. Cause no writer has ever talked about it. Roman told mm-hmm. me that. Yeah. I used to wonder, was this like a, like a, what if story? <laughs> except, except Wolverine would sometimes refer to the time they were in Scotland. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it's a, like Spidey's been in this series a couple of times, but yeah. to have him bring this up now, cause that's what, that's how the whole series launched was that Daredevil had killed somebody. Yeah. yeah, 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 and in this issue, I have Spider-Man finally, you know, admitting that to him because he's finally admitting, well, you know, the reason I was so pissed off at you about that is because I've done the same thing and I've never fessed up about it or talked about it, so I was taking out my anger on you. Yeah, and twenty-three issues in that happened, and mm-hmm. he had to have been thinking that when he wrote issue one, right? Like, well, yeah. Spider-Man have this conference like that, and that's what I mean by like he's he's writing a story the way he's going to write it and it's going to be long and it's going to take time to tell and you don't get to cancel my book after five issues because the sales are lower or else you're not going to go what the book was. Yeah. The other, the other thing that I loved was when um, Clark Kent walks into the Daily Planet and sees uh, Superman sitting in the chair. Right. Because right? at the end, Daredevil walks into Foggy's office and Matt Murdock is ready to go to court. And uh, I thought, who is that guy? probably his brother that yeah. soul had brought back in his run right yeah yeah it's mike murdoch and they look enough alike they're, t- they're twins but isn't that character like maybe not real he wasn't real in that one shot before covid maybe but he, when he was an annual or yeah the annual he was he was made real he made a deal i think i don't know if it was feast okay. or what but he was given like real he was made into a real boy Mm-hmm. um and and i'm sure that's him because i mean that's how he was originally created yeah. like making up a brother and it wasn't even that long ago that i think it was the zadarsky wrote that issue right yeah that annual yeah i thought the original ago. mike murdoch was is an old character right well yeah from the late 60s sometime in the Sil- silver age i think or bronze age okay but yeah he was just a fabrication to cover for Matt. Okay. Okay. But then made real. Interesting. Um, this was so, this is so well done. And the, and the fact that Daredevil called Spider-Man up here well, to help him with the Kingpin, um, which uh, Chichetto does a great Spider-Man and his webbing up in the corner, mm-hmm. look all menacing. Chichetto's drawings of Spider-Man are awesome. I like that all of the panels in the costume look like they're almost yeah. like like plated or something they all reflect light differently if they're in a row i i, I love yeah. his drawing for that yeah i love him on a spider-man book but the fact that afterwards they're on the rooftop and daredevil starts off just saying you know you're a good man spidey uh i just want to make things right between us before i go off to prison <laughs> or whatever and it's the and their conversation is so great and the fact that spoilers daredevil spider-man's like kind of stumbling trying to tell him the story and daredevil just puts his arms around him and hugs him <laughs> gives him a hug and it, it's silent and, yeah and it's just great a love a boy hug 
It's something you've never seen. I boy, boy hugged. I boy <laughs> hugged in in, Mar- in Marvel comics. You know, they're, okay. they're rolling Spidey just hugging on a rooftop. Fuck you! I boy hug. <laughs> um, Roman, I'm going to give this one an eight point five. I think the issue was like an eight, and then the Spider-Man stuff was like a nine. I'm going to give it like an eight point five. It's really good. Probably my favorite book of the week. Now that we'd actually mentioned it, I think the Turtles was way up there, and, and Scumbag also. But yeah. Yeah, um, maybe I'll make this my gooey duck. Oh my I, god! I love the oh scene. Oh my god! I love it when they it they happening. swing they oh swing god. over to the to the George Washington Bridge and they're sitting up there. I think maybe on the same part where Gwen Stacy got thrown off of, and they watch the sunset or is sunrise it an together. Eye? What an is it? It's got like a weird fleshy like a, turtleneck. It's coming it's out like of a, the. It's like a tin skin on there, an X like skin, a, if you it's will. It's like a gooey. It's like a gooey tin. Oh, oh my god! It's coming. Oh Lord, look at the. How does it get that big? Oh God, Roman! Oh. It's, it's, a, it's a marvel of evolution. Either put it back or say it. I already said it, didn't I? I think so. I give it an eight. <laughs> I give it an eight from me. Um, <laughs> Django, you got to stop laughing and start talking about November. Oh man, I liked November. Uh, I only so this read is... the first one in the advanced copy that we got and i don't even know that it was the full book so it's i think it was okay and it's it's like a hard-boiled bad cop story that follows uh bad cops a uh, an ex-cop who's trying to be better and the people who the bad cops actions fall out on but it's also a mystery so it wasn't until really the middle of volume three that I sort of put all of these sort of Quentin Tarantino style storylines together and figured out the relationship between the kidnapped woman and the other kidnapped woman and these cops and those cops and this lady and this other lady. Okay. Cause I'm glad to hear that because my memory of the first one is, is very, I feel like I mostly followed a girl who got a job being mm-hmm. given money to just like deliver a package or something every she would, day. Yeah. Time. Yeah. 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 I forgot that. And then I just, <clears throat> you know, that didn't super grab me and it didn't wrap up in a way. So I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear that like halfway through volume three things really click into the place because I was like, I don't, I feel like I don't know what this is. And I just read a good amount of it. Yeah. She got like forced by a cop to go up to her roof every night and send a radio message. Right. And we don't really know what the radio message is or, or anything like that, but um, she gets paid yeah. to do it. Yeah. gets paid. She gets overpaid to do it. And so in these, in, in number two, which came out a couple months ago and number three, which came out this week, we start seeing sort of the relationships between these characters and who, how, how they've interacted before. The whole thing is super moody. The art is amazing. Um, and even jumping into number two, not remembering anything at all about number one, um, the way that the story is told is compelling the whole time you're lost and then rewarding as you start putting the puzzle together. You just said the art is fantastic. Who is the artist and what does it remind you of? Uh, it's Elsa Chartier. Chartier. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, with Matt Hollingsworth on colors and Matt Fraction doing the art. Um, it's... It, as soon as know, I, I thought man. it was that name, but even I didn't even know if, who that was. But she's doing other stuff as well. It's kind a little Darwin Cook and Rousseau-y a little bit. 
Yeah, a little. Yeah, if Darwin had more shadows, kind of Rousseau style, a little bit of uh, like almost Will Eisner sort of setup sometimes. Like the the settings are really well done. And, and I bet the small Roman details. would like this book. We got to get yeah. Roman some November. <laughs> Yeah, it's got like like this lady's taking a nap on the couch and you see her feet and that that tells you stuff about her. Like it's it's really good cartooning. Um so That's yeah, a way I have describing I, that. Like sometimes I, I feet it. tell you something and sometimes they're just feet and I I would rather read a comic where the feet are telling me something 100% of the time. Yeah, and I'm not sure how many issues this is going to be. I thought that it was heading towards a wrap up at the end of number 3, but I, there's at least one more. Um, but I recommend it for fans of Ed Brubaker. I think, I think anybody who, who digs crime stories um, or who just likes nice vignettes that all start folding together uh, will, will really enjoy this. So very rewarding. I would give it an eight and a half for the three issues so far. Do you know how many it's going to be? I don't. At least four. Okay. And they're like $17 hardcovers, but very, very worth it. Got a couple emails here. First, from mm -hmm. Solo Luck at Hotmail.com. I oh. think we all know who that is. It's good old Dino Chipino, the Chipinster. Is my Chipino hanging out? <laughs> um, hey, an early congratulations for 200 episodes. You guys don't always agree, but the move, but the movie you do love is Fast and Furious. He's right. We don't always agree, but we both love that movie. So here's my question. <laughs> Take a character from any Fast and Furious franchise and recast them with comic book characters. Take any character from any Fast and Furious. For example, Deckard Shaw, instead of Jason Statham playing the role, he would be played by Gambit. Um, man, you know what just occurred to me? There has not been nearly enough Brad Pitt in Fast and Furious movies. Holy shit, you're right. Like, what the fuck? Like, Ocean's yeah. Eleven and Fast and the Furious are like these two franchises... But, like, put them together. Give me George Clooney and Brad Pitt racing fast cars or something. And they just announced that there's only two more fast movies, no. and they're both Justin Lin, which I'm into Justin Lin doing those, but two more. Fuck you guys. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, okay. other, other than uh, clearly Wonder Woman playing Giselle. Roman, hmm. you ever seen Fast and the Furious? I've never seen one of the movies, so but I know that the rock is in it so i'll say the obvious black adam playing the rocks character nice good one <laughs> exciting Gosh, at this point you could almost cast a fast and the furious movie with superheroes those actors have played yeah uh i will cast jesse from fast and the furious number one with quentin choir from grant morrison's new x-men run and overnight parts from japan <laughs> and if we have to overnight parts from japan uh i want to see gosh i want i want to see dom played by professor x what they're I both called it. i think well, they, one I think of them is great. paralyzed yeah sometimes he's <laughs> paralyzed like a third of the time when i read those books yeah you're right you're right he's not been paralyzed in this house and power shit you're right don of x Let's, okay that okay. was a good question but it blew me out of the water and i hope i did good let's let's say professor x but controlled telekinetically by gene gray i also just shout out my main man paul walker love that guy miss you handsome been a long time 
without you, my friend. Dude, you can try I, and watch that Fast and Furious movie and not cry when they're uh, driving God, off separate roads because he's dead at that point in real life and they're just like having this buddy high five. Like we were best friends making these movies and now you're dead and now I'm driving off alone. We've written it into the story and God damn it, that song is playing. Oh, it makes yeah. you cry. Yeah, uh, I, I changed my mind. I want to see Brian played by Bloodshot. Then I want to see Vin Vin. Brian played by Peter Parker. You know, like Ooh, he's my yeah. Peter Parker. Like he's, yeah. Roman, have you seen the very first Fast and Furious? I haven't seen any of them. Jesus Christ, Roman, get your shit together. <laughs> the first one is, okay, I can't, I'm just gonna be a parody. All right, Will Elmer. Um, <laughs> hey, Pap fam, thank you for your kindness and birthday wishes last week. Of course. Happy birthday, Will. Will. Happy birthday. You're gonna have oh, to ask us wow. to stop saying it every episode from now on. <laughs> Welcome to Perfect Festival Podcast. Happy birthday, Will. Um, I have to ask you guys a question. I love when they start by anyone, when anyone says, I have to ask you a question. Cause it's like, shit, let's get in it. It um, itches when I go like this. Does it burn when you pee? <laughs> does your penis hang out of your bear costume? Um, I have to ask as you a question about what is no doubt a controversial topic getting even spicier as we go. You got to love those wh whiskey ice cubes they melt better than other ice cubes they must flow uh i understand if it's too spicy of a topic for the podcast which is of course reading order of wednesday polls oh it's spicy and he's saying i gotta ask you a question about your reading order for wednesday polls mm. how do you guys determine reading order for your weekly books do you start with a banger do you start or end with your favorite books do you get so hyped for a book that you read first and then risk forgetting what happened by the time you get to the bottom of the stack or do you save it and savor it but risk running out of time to read it it feels like there's a real craft to that i work hard towards perfecting every week i would love to hear your process for reading order i have two very important thoughts should i jump into them do you guys need do a it. thought the second okay. i have two things and the first is that my things that i am the most excited about um my Grant Morrison's, my Jonathan Hickman's, um, you know, my Outer Darkness, my Little Bird when it was coming out. Um, I, I like get so excited about those. It's either the very first thing I read, which is seldom. On the things that I'm excited about the most, I like, I put them aside and I say, this book deserves time and I'm going to wait to read it until I can give it time. Like that was like Rorschach the other week when I was sort of mm -hmm. like, I don't have the time to do that right now. And I don't want to read it haphazardly. The downside of that is like while we were doing our book club recently, uh, I said I hadn't read Little Bird and Nathan Butcher was like, you have what? Like that's nuts. And I was like, <laughs> I blushed and I was like, well, he was like, you said it was amazing at the first issue. I was like, well, the first issue was what amazing. amazing. <laughs> and I, I know that the whole series is going to be amazing. But on some level for me, um, because the, you know, like the job is reading comics and I love reading comics, but the job is reading comics. So especially when the store was open, I put a lot of pressure on myself to have opinions about a wide breadth of comic books. So I'll take the ones I'm really excited about that I know I'm liking that I know something about. And I put those aside and I try to wait until I have time later to read those. And I read the ones that are just like new that I think it's important to be able to give information about. I think kind of at our, at the shop, that's kind of the people who works there's role is like, yeah. we'll read a bunch of this stuff. So you don't have to just spend money to try it out. We'll tell you if it's good or not. So I work really hard to do that, you know, um, try a lot of different things. So 
oftentimes between the podcast and the store being open, I, I front load books that are new number ones, something like that. And then things I know I like, I put on the side, uh, planning to read it later. Downside is that it might be months until I read it, but I know I'll read it. Like I have the most recent issue of decorum came out like three weeks ago and I still haven't read it. It's just next to my bed. I'll probably wait till I have like two issues of decorum to set out like an hour and a half to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one is the things that I love that, re- and the things that I love require the time I, I put those on the back and then um the other thing is uh what i do every week is i get my huge stack of comics and it's all one stack and i just go through one by one and i'll, I'll make two stacks i'll divide the stack into two stacks and the it's things i'm excited about and i always in my head is that's a work comic so a work comic or a jeff comic <laughs> and um I basically just take a look at the number of books each week that I'm excited about reading and ones I feel obligated to read from there where I go is, you know, I sometimes I'll go to the ones I'm excited about, or, you know, maybe go to the work ones to tackle it first. But like the the, thing I do every single week is divide the stack into two halves, the ones that I'm reading for Jeff and the ones that I'm reading as someone who works at a comic shop. So that's the thing I do first. That's not very, I think that all of those answers are very specific to working in a comic shop outside of like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to wait for the, the Morrisons and the Hickmans and stuff until I have enough time to do it right. I'm the kind of guy who is a little more chaotic than Jeff. I'll, uh, I'll kind of sort them in my brain as I guess the categories would be comics that I can read real fast. So like while I'm brushing my teeth versus comics that are number ones, I try to prioritize those a little bit so I can talk about them to anybody who asks versus comics that we don't have enough of at the store and I need to bring back versus comics that I'm going to keep. If I get really excited about something, I'll read it first. So like three jokers, I didn't want spoilers. We got it in yesterday. I read it last night before bed. That's a great point. If it's a thing that we'll have spoilers about, I'll read that. Like the Hickman X-Men books, those were oftentimes like, I was hesitant last summer to make those the first book I read each week because everything was less than. I don't like mm-hmm. to start my week off by reading the best thing and then feeling like everything else is worse than, which is why I save that one for the end often. But yeah, spoilers. That's a great point, Django. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to... We work in Spoilers Central, so I'm, one of the perks is that you get to read it before spoilers should be out, really. And one of the downsides is if you don't, you're fucked. Yeah somebody's going to spoil it. But other than that, it's mostly just kind of time-based. Like I'll look at a comic and I'll be like, Oh, I can, I can read this daredevil in, in 15 minutes. Or I'll look at uh, like uh, Robin King and I'll be like, fuck, this is going to take me a half hour to beat my way through because that's what all of these multiverse, all, all of these metal books take so much focus to read. They, they definitely do. When I make those two stacks, the workbooks and the Jeff, more often than not, I alternate through them. Like if I have a bunch of mm-hmm. books I'm excited about, I try to take that enthusiasm and break it up by like, this is when I'm not excited about it at all. Let's put it between those two. Is so that why I won't feel Let's make much. a shit sandwich. Roman, I feel like you just like put, no, if I already guess, I do think that you prioritize books that we don't have a lot of on the shelf, even though we're closed and shelf copies don't really matter a ton but i partly feel like you just put them in a blender and you just sort of like start slurping down comics you're just like i've got more comics than anybody and i don't have time to waste thinking about what order i'm gonna read them in because i gotta fucking read them it's it's well a little bit um i do tend to do it like 
like the first book I read this this past week was Rat Queens, because it was one of the things I knew we had very few of. But also I tend to read like the more books I comics I enjoy, but that are like light, not a lot of brain power, like Rat Queens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean it's enjoyable. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's enjoyable, but it's just a quick read, fun, get it back to the store, nothing really to talk about there. Um and I save the books I'm really excited about, the complex reads like Rorschach or Three Jokers for the last things I read during the week, like usually in the hour or two before this podcast. Um, unless, like this week, there's something just I'm not, it's a totally obligatory book like Dune, House of Atreides. Was, that was the last book I read this week because I knew it was the one I was least interested in. And, and, also, and also time-based too. If, you know, if I've got to go to the museum and I have like, 10 minutes before I have to leave the house. I'll see if I could, I, you know, Iron Man will fit in that 10 minutes. But back before working at the shop, it was like the, the thing I was most excited about, I would read first. And, mm-hmm. and then the rest of my stack, I'd just sort of read maybe all on Wednesday or maybe, you know, between Wednesday, Thursday and Friday of the week. But like, you know, I was like, I was showing up at the shop for the next Morrison issue of Batman, you know? Well, and, and we're not people to emulate on that because we have such a different relationship yeah. with our stack of comics. Yeah. And, you know, and different I priorities. think Roman is right. Like this week, there was nothing I was super excited about this week. And there was nothing that was, I had a ton of respect for. So like my first book of the week was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 110. And then I read Venom, Daredevil, and Juggernaut. Mm-hmm. so like roman basically what you said of like things that i enjoy that don't take a lot of processing like i know i love daredevil i'm also 23 issues into daredevil i don't know that i'm gonna have a lot of brand new stuff to say about daredevil so i'm just gonna read that now because i like it but you know I, the x-men books i have been waiting until several hours before the podcast to read them that was that was the two yeah. uh jeff lemire books for me this week i was like oh i can shoot back a skull digger and skeleton boy and family tree in no time and yeah. i know i'm gonna like them so they can be kind of gateway comics i'll read one of those and then i'll continue on to other books hmm. yeah yeah like yeah skull digger and maestro maestro from marvel i'm reading that and i know i i know i get a kick out of them but there i have nothing to say about them mm-hmm. um well, thanks everybody for writing in. Love the questions. We'll see you all for next week, 200, which we haven't talked about what we're doing yet. I'm going to do it without pants. I'm going to do it. Again. I'm just going to do it. Um, weird week, guys. Yeah? I don't know. Like a week, It was kind of a weird week of comics, right? I don't know. It was yeah. a weird week of comics for me. It, it was, there was a lot of books um, that I enjoyed reading and nothing I loved reading. Yeah. Which is how they go. You, there's 52 weeks in a year. There is yeah. not 52 books that I'm in love with. So some weeks you don't get one. Um, but very interesting, interesting spread of books this week. I'm glad we got some stuff out of it. You know, trying to play video games. That's been good. Two listeners got me a copy of Batman Arkham Knight. And I've been playing that when I get time. I'm playing two different games right now. But Arkham Knight um, is awesome. Those games are so fucking cool. Thank you so much, Will and Andrew, for that. Um, Andrew is live streaming the vote counting for your ballots in Whatcom oh. County. I do not think that you can get that from me, but I hope that everyone takes solace in the fact that you can stream it. It's being streamed. And he said, I want a live streamed Tuesday morning. And I said, we talked about that before the oh. pandemic. I'll make hmm. it happen. Okay. And he said, I would love to watch that. 
I don't know if anyone would. Maybe <laughs> maybe Will would. Maybe Andrew would. Maybe we need Nathan a five would. second delay or something. But uh, I'm into it. But I would just have to make sure not pick my nose, and then we would have to like also pause the camera for the thirty minutes that we all sit around and eat sandwiches together. Um, yeah, I'll let people watch me eat. But it would be. Oh yeah, I don't care about that. But um, I, but it would be. I, it would be. I would. I. I am curious if anyone would be interested to watch the five-hour process that is a Tuesday. So. Um, <laughs> If we've got people who are willing to do that, why why aren't we just running a full-on cult? <laughs> hey, listen, if I didn't work at a comic shop, I would love to watch a comic shop do what happens on a Tuesday. That's true. That's but true. you're right. Uh, it probably feels culty to suggest it, but it was suggested to yeah. me, and I get it. I would love to watch it. I love I mean, watching sausage get made. I do have my reverend credentials. Don't you have some reverend credentials? I do. I'm an ordained yeah. minister, for sure. I've, I've married my best friend. Universal Life Church? Oh, we yeah. all are, yeah. Are you yeah. also Django? Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Bang. Oh, we could totally start a cult. We could yeah. gang bang on this, man. We could like... Oh, wait, sorry. That was a, a different thing. I was thinking of something else, actually. It's a tax write-off, I'm pretty we sure. We could tax write-off on this. Anyway. Oh, let's become the first church of comics. Oh, oh my sweet. God. You have to be an ordained minister. Comics and weddings. Or ministress. <laughs> an ordained minister or ministress. Minute. I thought that was a sex thing, but I guess it makes sense that that would be a huh, man. Church thing. And then someday the, the series about us on, on Netflix will be called Whatcom Whatcom County. It's just crazy. Cause like at this point, you know, I love this part of the podcast cause it's either fun shit. I would love to listen to at the end of a podcast or the first thing I'm going to cut when I realize that this <laughs> podcast is two and a half hours long. And I need to remove an hour from it. I uh, just throw it at the very end. Nobody who's hour. 50, who's 200 episodes into this is going to not start an episode. What if episode 200 was the last episode? Oh God, why would you say that? I was just playing with the idea in my head lately. Mm. And then what? I'm going to start a new one. <laughs> then, then, yeah, just we, a different name. We, we, like we, this name has not served us super well for 200 episodes. Like no yeah. one is like comic. Oh, the perfectly acceptable podcast. That sounds like the podcast for me in Florida. Yeah. Papcast, yeah. the rebirth. Oh. Okay, again, we would try to choose a name that was better, you know, like a better name. Like Crisis on Infinite Podcasts. See, that's closer to what we're going for, right? I and Crisis, we're always at. Recast the Pat Birth. Oh. Crisis on Infinite Casts? Oh, cast yeah. crack. Never mind. It would just be night, like if, you know, the whole thing was 200 even episodes, right? Like, bam, one to 200. Keep it good. What's the story arc? Chip. Good question. You will have to, <laughs> hey, okay, okay, okay. That's a great challenge to our listeners. 200 episodes in. How many have you listened to? If not all of them, that's fine. But what is the story arc? What is the story arc? What is it? From three boys who started recording a podcast and then one of them left and then another one was recruited and then a different person was recruited and then that person left and then that one, the original one came back but then left again. Like, obviously those arcs, but like what, what are the story arcs of the Perfectly Acceptable podcast? Do they, did they know what's happening behind the scenes? I want to know, for people who have been listening, there's four years of material here, 200 episodes. What is the story? Is it the slow... Jeff being a kind person, having all of it burnt out by owning a small business, and now he's just a callous, heartless man. Like, there's that. Like, what? What are you all detecting? I want to know what was, where were we four years ago, and where are we now? Andrew, I bet the scores can tell you something, but the listeners, tell us the personalities behind it. What happened to Jeff? Just and to Jeff. when? When? When did Jeff's story turn? 
<laughs> I could tell you the episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, what? I'm curious, right? Like, what can we what what can we glean from Django in episode one through ten versus two hundred? I bet he's a different person. What can oh, we tell? I took all of your insides. I I hollowed you out and took all your feelings. You took all of my positives and left me with your empties. <laughs> Thank God there's Roman to give me more, to fill me in, fill me empties some more. I'm Jeff and I rely on Roman to fill me empties. I'm Django. God, I'm so full of Jeff. It puts the lotion on the skin. That's hey, Roman. everyone, everyone send us an email. <laughs> Batman in corn. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Well, that what one do has, people think of the hyper adapter. Come on. That fucking, that one actually has a dedicated email address. So that's why it's easy to do. Um, the info at thecomicsplace.com. Email us. I watched Django one time make an email address for Batman Quarantine during a podcast. We should I should have tasked him with that three years ago. It's real easy, bud. Yeah, I bet I could do it, actually. I just can't really do much else while I'm talking as well. I, I bet you could do it, and you, you have to put it on your phone, because if I add another email address to my phone, it'll cave in. But I, I changed the podcast. I, I changed the password to the Batman one just the other day so I could finally get on it on my computer. Send us an email, info at the Next week is 200. We don't know what we're going to do. A lot of good ideas. Haven't had a minute to look at them. Um, but we we're going to figure it out. It. Let's just delay it a couple of weeks. My brother, my brother and me still has not done episode 420. And they're up to like 500 now because <laughs> they want to make sure it was very good and stoned out and they couldn't think of a good one to do. So they just skipped it. <laughs> We'll get there someday. We'll be able to skip 420 in another four and a half years. I can't wait to talk about <laughs> Batman 3 Jokers with everybody next week. I still haven't even talked to Django about it. I'm so fucking excited. We did our goodbyes. Is, is Batman in Quarantine coming out next week? Um, it will be or coming out next week? week when this issue, when this episode comes <clears throat> out. Yeah, we're, nice. we're taking a second one out. Um, actually, Andrew Carlson, friend of the show, guy we've been teasing about in this episode who's amazing. Is that Fots? Fotsworth, yeah. Um, he created a Facebook group for Batman in quarantine. I don't really know how to get into it, even though I did it last night. I think if you just search Batman in quarantine on Facebook, mm -hmm. you can get in there. It is an amazing group of people actually posting things, people in Vermont, people in Scotland. It is awesome. Um, yeah. I'm so incredibly like heartwarmed to see people doing that. And if you like this podcast, you should go check that group out. We should it's probably even make one for this podcast, but. Yeah, and well, we have one for this podcast. It's oh, not okay. very active, but we we do have like Batman in quarantine is a, a really solid thing. I'm I'm impressed with what you have built there. Slayer. It's it's a lot like this, but with less buttholes. There's fewer. It's like way less um way less scumbag by Rick Remender in it. There's no <laughs> panels where you're like, is that a woman's butthole? Is that a, yeah? I think that's a butthole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fewer buttholes. Um, anyway, uh, check out the Facebook group, Batman in Quarantine, and listen to that podcast. You can hear all of us there. And God darn it, I'll see all you guys next week for 200. What a time it's going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you better put five hours aside, Roman. 